When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Morena, New Zealand. Good morning to you all on this uh, Friday before a bumper weekend of sport. It's fair to say, I think tomorrow... Uh, the f- six or seven hours of international rugby back to back to back uh, will be absolutely superb viewing. Uh, and on that subject, uh, I think we'll begin with rugby this morning and we'll speak to uh, Grant Nisbet, of course, uh, the lead commentator for Sky Sport Rugby. Of course, this both uh, seen a lot of uh, fluctuations uh, in all black history over the time. Uh, what does he make of uh, this test match uh, against Argentina tomorrow night and uh, where he sees the all blacks sitting at the moment in terms of uh, well, the turbulence that they've had, where are they now? Um, also, we'll have, uh, just after 9.30 this morning, we'll have some talk back with you, you the people at home, 0800 150 um, We'd love to hear from you on uh, any theme, but of course I imagine the All Blacks are hot on the agenda, what you're expecting, uh, what will you accept from this performance uh, tomorrow night in Christchurch. Uh, just after 10 o'clock this morning, we'll speak to former uh, all-white goalkeeper and football commentator Jacob Spoonley because the Champions League draw was made uh, overnight. We'll look at all the connotations there and perhaps a little sneaky glimpse into uh, the EPL uh, this weekend as well. Ollie Ritchie and Brad Lewis are the panel this morning. Um, and uh, then we shall do uh, a little bit of golf because there's been a bit of to and froing, hasn't there, uh, over the last 24 hours with the PGA coming up with uh, some some sort of uh, incentive to keep players at home, to be fair. David Bileski, our golf analyst writer, uh, will do that. We'll speak to Edward Rennell. Uh, he is the incoming CEO of Greyhound Racing New Zealand uh, as part of our weekly catch-up with that industry. Uh, and then we'll talk uh, trotting as well before we hand over to Staffy at uh, around about midday. It is uh, going to be a very busy Sport morning. is our religion. And here is Smithy Sermon. Well, it's been such a quiet, non-turbulent build-up to this test. You hardly believe the All Blacks are stepping out tomorrow night compared to the previous month of conjecture and displeasure around the coaching staff, the style of play and the overall performance. This has been a stroll in Hagley Park for Fozzie and the gang. One better performance, the arrival on the scene of Jason Ryan and Joe Smith to bolster the coaching ranks and some finality out of uh, New Zealand rugby has certainly stemmed the tide of concern. Or has it? Put it this way, the vultures are still circling, but they're just not as visible. And that's why this test against Argentina and next week's Hamilton affair are as important, as crucial as that victory at Alice Park. The bleeding has stopped, but only two conclusive, methodical victories with dominance in the right areas 
will ensure the plaster stays on. Seems unfair, the battle in the coaching ranks. David Kidwell's defence against Joe Smith's attack. Kidwell's been with the Pumas uh, around about two months. Smith with the All Blacks about two minutes. So for all intents and purposes, they're newbies, but we know that that's not true. The former is still learning about the role, the techniques, as much as he is coaching them. Smith has proven beyond speculation. On that score, the All Blacks could well run right, and my prediction is they will. Michael Checker's misery on Kiwi soil will continue. Another losing coaching interview to, forward, to look forward to. A different jersey, same old, same old. And it's been a long time since any Kiwi success on the gorgeous Adelaide Oval. But that'll change tomorrow afternoon as well. The Black Ferns will run amok over the Wallaroos to confirm they are at least the third best women's rugby team on the planet. Wayne Smith has found the formula, just as uh, finally NZR have. In a matter of hours, New Zealand's best rugby talent will be on show, performing under the guidance of New Zealand's best coaching talent. Well, maybe with the exception of Razor, of course. See those vultures? They are still circling. Don't worry about that. Right, to 9.07. Yes, the All Blacks against uh, Argentina. It is a feast of rugby tomorrow afternoon. International rugby quality stuff as well. And there's a lot of NPC action on too. So it's uh, right across Sky on a number of channels. Uh, but it's certainly uh, tomorrow night uh, around about 7.45, slight, slightly later time for us old fellas. Um, it's the All Blacks against Argentina uh, at Christchurch, of course, Orange Theory Stadium. And calling the action as uh, he has uh, been doing for a number of uh, Decades now, I was going to say years, a number of decades, is uh, Grant Nisbet. Nisbet, good morning to you. G'day, Smithy. Yeah, nice to catch up with you. Um, South Africa, uh, you've been back for a little while now, but uh, your reaction to that uh, that second performance in particular, was there a sort of a sigh of relief around the group? Oh, yeah, no question about that. I mean, they were really disappointed the way they played, I think, in, uh, in Nelspruit. Um, they were well beaten on the day and I think Foster was uh, obviously under a lot of pressure but he was also brave enough to make a couple of changes significantly in the front row um, and, and bring in relative newcomers and DeGroote and Lomax which was a really big call against the Springbok team that obviously prides itself on its uh, efforts up front and uh, to make those changes to bring Shannon Frizzell in um, hard ball running player and also, of course, to bring Richie Moonga into the number 10 jersey. Four big calls, really, and boy, did it work. Having said that, you know, with 10 minutes to go when the Springboks hit the front, I thought, oh, no, here we go again. But, boy, did the All Blacks finish over the top, and those, um, those two late tries by Havili and Scott Barrett really sealed a fantastic win. So it was one of the better ones, Smithy. I've been around a wee while, and uh, I'd have to say um, it was one of the better ones. It is interesting too, and you raise a very good point there because those last 12 minutes have sort of uh, dampened the fire. Um, they've confirmed that Ian Foster will stay in his job, uh, but it, it is only 12 minutes at the end of the day, and as you say, it could have gone easily gone the other way, um, you know, with Bowden Barrett in the bin as well. It just it just seemed to be on, a, uh, on so much of a knife edge, but all of a sudden we go into this test match and there's a relative calm about it. Is that because it's Argentina? Well, I think, yeah, there is an element of that. There's no doubt about that. You know, I mean, Argentina did beat us a couple of years ago and 
I think they showed in their home series against the Wallabies that they are going to be highly competitive. But um, yeah, look, it's you, you never quite regard Argentina as one of the big boys, if you like. And if this was a test against, say, it's another test against Ireland or the Springboks, um, we might be still a little bit on the nervous side. But I think it showed the fitness of the All Blacks. I had the feeling that, you know, the the Springboks had got it wrong with their six-two combination because they lost the back very early in both test matches, which put real pressure on on the bench. Um, and they made subs really early. So the blokes who came on um, came on early enough to be, by the end of the game, pretty knackered. Um, I think we used our bench a lot better. I think we have a, a better fitness base than, uh, than certainly the Springboks. And I think that's the reason we got over the top of them. I, I wasn't confident, but how can you be confident when you... You know, you're at a place like Alice Park with 65,000 screaming South Africans and you've just found yourself um, behind and with a man in the bin. But they showed tremendous resolve, didn't they? They did, absolutely. And uh, the old adage, it's uh, an 80-minute game or 80-plus these days, but certainly uh, came to fruition there. Um, Look, uh, are we now uh, in a situation where uh, we have a, an in-Fozzie trust, we trust attitude or is it an, an uh, Fozzie, Jason and Joe, we trust attitude? Yeah, yeah. look, I mean, it's, it, it's, a, it's a pretty solid coaching team now, isn't it? I mean, Ian Foster's record still doesn't read all that well, let's be honest about it. I think 17 wins, eight losses and one draw which doesn't compare with, um, you know, some of the all-black coaches we've had over the years. But I honestly think that the hard part of the season is behind us now, to be honest. I, I think uh, three tests against Ireland, who are right up there in the world rankings, two at home against the Springboks, um, it sort of makes you feel as if uh, two matches here against Argentina, home and away against the Wallabies, and then the Northern Tour, it makes it look a little easier. Um, I, I guess... Looking ahead, probably the test against England at Twickenham in November is looming as the hardest one to win because it always is. But look, I think the hard, I think the hard part of the season is behind us now, and and um, you know we just have to be um, careful that we don't come uh, too complacent about it all because you know Argentina are certainly a threat. There's no doubt about that. But I'd be mightily surprised if they tested us to the point of even beating us. Talking about um, selection this week and, and talk about showing the faith, I, I don't think of uh, well, I, I don't think I've seen that many uh, or that lack of change uh, in an All Black uh, Test uh, side from Test to Test for quite some time. No, look, he had to reward the blokes who did the job. Um, as I said, he made significant changes, even though there were only four of them. They were significant and in very significant positions. You know, the two props, the number six and the number ten. I think he had to show faith in the blokes who um, who fronted for him at Alice Park and also the bench, of course, who are very significant these days. And, of course, the only change there is that Bowden Barrett's not available, so Stephen Petterfetter uh, makes his uh, test debut, which is, um, which is going to be great when he finally gets on. But I think he had to show the faith, no doubt about that. And, um, you know, you, you really have to roll your best team out in a test match like this Okay, if they win tomorrow night, he probably will make changes for Hamilton the following week. But, um, you know, I'm I'm never a fan of changing it just for the sake of changing it. You put your best team out there and go for it. It's a test match. 
Any players under pressure still, Nisbo, from your point of view? Have they, have, now that Mwanga is confirmed uh, back in this week as well, Barrett is out injured, of course, but have they solved the 10 issue or is that ongoing? Oh, I think they've sold it in the short term. Um, look, I, I was really impressed the way Richie Moonga played at Ellis Park. I've, I've never been totally convinced that he stepped up at the highest level. We all know how good he was at Super Rugby level, but you know he's he's playing his 38th Test match uh, tomorrow night, and he's never really dominated in a Test match against a significant opponent. But he certainly did at Ellis Park. So I think for the moment. That argument is is null and void, uh, and Bowden Barrett will somehow have to fight his way back. And he's he's a fantastic player, Bowden Barrett, no doubt about that. He may well be suited these days to coming off the bench. And then, of course, you look at the possibility of Damian McKenzie coming back into the mix for the end of year tour, and you might have two similar players sitting on the bench. I don't know, but it's great to have that sort of depth, isn't it? And it's great to have that that kind of depth uh, and that brilliance. And uh, I, I don't mind uh, Bowden Barrett coming off the bench. Providing, of course, he can stay on the field. Uh, Nisbo, let's look at um, uh, the front row, and you mentioned those uh, those guys coming into Groot, and of course Lomax. Where's the influence here? Uh, in all honesty, is this? I mean, Greg Feeks, the scrum coach, as such, but is is the Jason Ryan influence in this as well? Yeah, there could be. Um, uh, it's, it's a bit hard. To, it's a bit early to tell. I think really, because you know, Jason Ryan's only been around for a couple of Test matches. Um, but I think you have to give uh, credit to Greg Feek. I mean, they put together a pretty good scrum. They got shoved around a wee bit in, in the first test in South Africa, but they certainly were rock solid in the second test. There's no doubt about that. And, you know, we've got some we've got some good depth in the propping area now. When you consider that, um, you know, um, Tuanga Farsi didn't actually go to South Africa. He wasn't there. You've got Angus Tavau, of course. Um, Fletcher Newell just had a, a bit of a, a, a quick run at Alice Park, but he's a player for the future. Um, I don't have too many concerns about our, our front row. I mean, I was pretty nervous, and I think probably most All Black fans were pretty nervous going into Alice Park because when you had Lomax, Tokiahu, and, and De Groot, I think the combined number of starts, that starts that these blokes had had, the three of them, was nine. Um, and to go to a place like Ellis Park against the Springboks, who, as I said earlier, pride themselves on their set pieces, it was a big risk. But, um, by gee, it worked. But we now know, of course, that uh, Ian Foster is through to the uh, the next uh, World Cup, of course. Um, what about the playing side of things? Do we... Do we do we now suspect that all this playing group um, will be in the, in his sights there? I mean, is there anyone you think whose legs might not make it that far? Yeah, look, it's an interesting question. There are a few veterans around, aren't there? But um, you know, and we and we face this dilemma, and we have done through the years. Uh, the year before a World Cup, um, will this guy go the distance? And um, I think uh, the word these days is manage. They manage the, the amount of games that these guys play. Um, you know, when I'm talking veterans, I'm talking of Aaron Smith. I'm talking of Sam Whitelock. Uh, they, they are two that spring to mind. Dane Coles, who is part of the squad, of course. And I think his role largely these days is, is a wee bit like Kevin Mialamu in 2.15, you know. Um, plays now and again, but is so valuable off the field as well as being on the field and on the training groups and and that sort of thing. So there are one or two guys who are, um, you know, uh, uh, probably um, a little bit past their very best. But I, I think 
I think that they will manage these guys. They're introducing a few new faces, and we saw that with Fletcher Newell, and there might be another couple come in before the World Cup. Who knows? But I think largely these are the guys you're going to see in France at the end of next year. Right. What are we expecting then from uh, Los Pumas? Uh, obviously, last week they were outstanding. Uh, the week before, sorry, 48-17. Uh, that's a drubbing of Australia, an absolute drubbing. So what are you, what are you expecting out of this uh, the side, this of course includes Pablo Montera back in Christchurch. Yeah, look, I think they'll be pretty good. Um, I sort of watched those two test matches, and what impressed me was that they're actually giving the ball a bit of air. Now, in the past, of course, the Pumas have tended to have a big forward pack, very good at set pieces, and a guy like Nicolas Sanchez uh, kicking a lot, um, kicking well, but kicking a lot. But I just got the feeling that they were prepared to use the ball a bit more. Um, and this may well be the influence of Michael Checker, of course. I, I don't know. Uh, Checker's actually been around the Argentinian squad more than uh, just his uh, tenure as the coach. He's he spent a lot of time in Argentina. He's very good mates with Mario Ledesma, who he took over from. Um, and I think he sees potential in this team to actually use the ball a, a, a bit. And they scored some terrific tries. So I'd be disappointed if they went back to sort of type, which is in you know, a big forward pack kicking uh, kicking at nine and ten. I, I think if they get the opportunity, we'll see them moving the ball around. But, of course, doing that, you create opportunities for the opposition and make mistakes, and the All Blacks are likely to pounce. So, look, I, I think they'll be highly competitive, probably in the first half. Maybe the All Blacks will pull away in the second half. But I think they're a good, worthy international opponent these days. And, of course, the All Blacks are not going to forget what happened on November the 14th, 2020, when they got beaten by Argentina 25-15. to 15. They were able to rectify that a week later in Newcastle by 38 points to nil. But nevertheless, um, you know, being in that first all-black team, and there are eight of them starting tomorrow night, eight all-black starting who were in that starting, to being the first team to lose to Argentina, that's, um, that's a bit of a negative, and they'll have that in the back of their minds, I'm sure. On another issue, Nisbo, uh, Tawera Kerbalo coming out and saying he has now got aspirations to play for Australia. They, they only have to ring him, he'll be there. Um, does that sit with you, well with you? I know uh, Ian Foster said it doesn't sit well with him. Um, what about you? Oh, yeah, look, I've got mixed feelings, really. Um, you know, I, I don't mind at all if, if guys like um, Malachi Fekitar and, and others go back and play for the Islands, um, you know, because um, that, that, I think, might, might be slightly different. I mean, I know he was born in Australia. I know he hasn't played for the All Blacks since 2017, um, I don't think he'd be anything like a current All Black, to be honest with you. I don't think he'd, he'd make the current All Black team. So I it's one of those ones, Smithy, I don't really care very much. Okay, Nisbo, fair enough. Uh, well, we'll care about tomorrow night uh, when we assemble in uh, Christchurch over the weekend. Look forward to uh, uh, having a taste with you and uh, being on the sideline uh, supporting you in the commentary. So uh, thanks very much for your time this morning. I look forward to this test match, actually. I, I don't quite know, personally, what's going to happen, and I, 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 I like that feel about it. So, Nisbo, thank you very much for your time this morning. Good on you, Smith. See you down there, mate. Yep. Yeah, cheers. Uh, Grant Nisbo there, of course, um, Sky's uh, number one caller of uh, rugby has been for decades, and we'll do a, a mighty fine job, of course, uh, tomorrow night. Well-researched as well. 9.21 here on SENZ.
It is uh, 9.25 here on SENZ and uh, last night uh, All Black coach uh, Ian Foster was on the run home with uh, Beef and uh, Kirsty, and this is what he had to say. Nearly the first time in about four years been able to change and name an unchanged team. I don't know those sort of stats, but it, it was in many ways. I felt, you know, the group in Alice Park did a great job with... We're trying to cement some new stuff into our game, and I think you get to be able to have a bit of faith in the existing combinations. The only difference, I guess, was Bodie pulling out on Tuesday um, after taking a knock has opened the door for Stephen Perifeta, and, and again, delighted that he's been given the chance because he's uh, been training really well. Also, there's been a lot of speculation, hasn't there, about uh, Will Jordan and whether he should play him at <coughs> fullback or whether he's on the wing, and uh, this is what uh, Ian Foster had to say about that. We're trying to evolve him into a sort of a second fullback game anyway. I think you'll you'll notice that he's trying to give him a licence to roam from his wing and, and to cruise across the field and look to inject himself in areas and that's probably the the things about fullback that, that we really like about him. So, you know, whilst we're naming him on the wing, we are trying to make it a little bit of a hybrid role to see how that goes. So and that means that we've got a ability with Geordie, I guess, to have another strong kicking option and high ball and defensive option in the backfield. So it's certainly our plan at the moment to see if we can sort of pair those two up and, and have a, a dual fullback type game, but we'll keep evaluating that. Uh, it's interesting to hear uh, plans coming out rather than uh, despair, isn't it? I mean, you know, and, and some definitive plans coming out. So that it's a, a, a reasonable answer, a, a second fullback role. It, it's quite uh, interesting because that, that high ball, the, the ability to re- return the high ball uh, will secure it and then return it has uh, been a big factor, I think, uh, in all-black rugby in the past and getting players behind the ball and support very, very quickly. That has always been one of their great counter-attacking theories, of course. Um, but uh, they haven't been able to do that because the accuracy and the chase has been very good on a number of occasions, particularly from the Irish in the first test against South Africa. So uh, that'll be a big factor in tomorrow night's game. Um, and uh, we look forward to, to that, uh, whether the All Blacks uh, can put enough pressure on the kicks uh, to make sure that their, uh, their re- receipt and their return um, is, is going to be effective. Uh, look, we'd love to hear your uh, comments on the, the test team, how you think the test match is going to go. Um, how you, do you view this all-black environment all of a sudden? I mean, it's been doom and gloom, hasn't it? Uh, and, and all sorts of, uh, he's got to go, we can't have him anymore sort of thing. We're not hearing that anymore. We're not really hearing it anymore. Um, and uh, has it been because of the introduction of Joe Smith and Jason Ryan have just sort of calmed the waters? Absolutely, You just feel better about it because of the fact that, that they're in the group now, very much hands-on and staying with the group right through to the uh, end of the World Cup. Are you now happy? or a lot happier, because I think the All Blacks will beat Argentina tomorrow. I think they'll beat them very comfortably, and I think they'll beat them probably more comfortably in the next test in Hamilton. Um, uh, will that quell the doubts for you at all? 9.30 here on SENZ. Uh, here is uh, Araha with the news, and uh, we invite you to call straight after that. 0800 150 Talkback time with Smithy. Brought to you by Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Call now for a chance to win today's $50 Chemist Warehouse voucher. 0800 150 811.
Yep, that's the number, 0800 150 811. I'd love to hear um, your thoughts uh, around your, what you might think is going to happen this uh, weekend in particular. Uh, John from Auckland. Good morning to you, John. Yeah, morning, Smithy. Yeah, the team um, looks good, looks good. I'm, I'm glad that they haven't changed it around much. I kind of agree with you. Um, I tend to think that team shouldn't change too much. Oh, actually, sorry, I think that was Nisbo that said that. But, um, you know, there's a bit of... Um, hopefully they're not too complacent. I mean, a lot of us are still quite uh, sceptical, but I think he has the right men around them. I'm talking about Foster, that is. Uh, still a very young Ford pack, very strong Argentinian Ford pack. If you did watch them against Australia, they dominated the set piece. Um, so that's going to be an interesting battle. I, I believe that it won't be raining tomorrow in Christchurch, so it could be a free-running game, but there might be a lot of dew, so the ball might be quite slippery. Um, but you'll be on the sideline here, Smitty, so you'll be able to let us know the conditions of the stadium. Yeah, I'll try and do that, uh, John, just before uh, kick-off. So that's uh, good news for me. Uh, I have packed uh, already everything I've got in terms of wet weather gear, so don't worry about that. So what, for you, um, what, are the, what are the key areas here, uh, John, in terms of uh, when you look at this test match, what will you be looking for uh, from the All Blacks? Uh, I guess, like every New Zealander, mate, we just want to see... Uh, a complete performance. Um, more so, I, I want to see the, the Ford pack dominate. Um, they were pretty solid in South Africa, and if they can create that for our backline, which is, um, I think, one of the best backlines in the world, they weren't firing on all cylinders this year. Um, we already know what Harvili possesses. We know if he can get Rico Ioane into those gaps, he's gone. Um, Caleb Clark, when he's on, he's the best winger in the world. Will Jordan, enough said. Uh, and it's it's going to be interesting to see uh, Peter Feta come into the environment too. Um, I think he showed enough when he was with the Blues. I hope they inject him maybe 20 minutes to go if the All Blacks are up by 20. Um, so I'm I'm predicting that we win quite comfortably, mate. 13 plus, all the betters out there. How about I'm you, Smitty? I'm with yeah, I'm with you, John. I, I do. I, I I think we actually might um we might run away with this. We, we, uh, I think once we get over that initial period of uh, of getting parity, et cetera, and um, respect in the forwards, I think that uh, the back line will just cut loose as a, a, a serious um, crusader influence on the side, and I, I don't think they're going to let the Canterbury fans down, John. So thanks very much for your call, mate. I hope you enjoy the weekend of rugby. There's so much on. Zaid, good morning to you. Uh, good morning. Yeah, very excited to see Stephen Perifetta get a finally get a chance. He's um, obviously been um, sitting sitting in the stands and on the bench, um, warming up the bench, that he's finally going to go, thanks to Bowden Barrett. Uh, like, I, I know I, like, I don't want to be mean to him, but um, obviously good to give, you know, Richie Mawanga, he played my last game against Springboks, but um, yeah, just excited to see how Stephen Perifetta can go, because he was real good for the Blues this season, but he hasn't really played since then, other than the game last weekend for Taranaki, and I'm pretty sure he played pretty well last weekend. Um, I've got a quick question. Is the um, Auckland game tomorrow, is that 4.35 or is that 5 o'clock? I'll I'm find out for you. There's so, mu- there's, there's so much on. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll find out for you. Um, Zay, to be honest, I and haven't then, um, looked too much at the NPC schedule at this yeah, point. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. I, I think Hawks Bay will be too strong for Harbour. Um, Wyca- uh, sorry, Staffy, Waikato is going to absolutely smash Manawatu tonight. 
Um, I think Canterbury would too, be too strong for Tasman. They look a bit off this year. Um, and I heard Chelsea being drawn with AC Milan for the Champions League um, this morning in the Champions League draw. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Chelsea go this year in the Champions League. But it's quite good. But, yeah, looking forward to the um, the rugby. And um, also, I guess there's also the Black Ferns on against Aussie, and that should be another easy one for the, for the Black Ferns, isn't it, really? Aussie looked pretty horrible last weekend. Yeah, they look a bit. They do look a bit average. Zade, I can confirm that uh, Auckland Otago game is on at five oh five tomorrow. Five oh five Zade. So um, you'll have. I, I think a lot of people will be doing quite a lot of taping, or uh, still do that these days. A taping of of things, uh, recording of things, uh, because there's just so much to watch. I mean, the Shield Challenge is on at two oh five, and that clashes, uh, I think, with the Black Ferns uh, out of Australia. So. So much to uh, consider, Zaid. Hey, have a great weekend. And I, like you, uh, am looking forward to Stephen Pelafeta getting uh, that all-black jersey on and on the field of play. Uh, Dino from Dunedin. Good morning to you, Dean. Yeah, mate, interesting. Interesting. I've been listening this morning, so I've heard the um, comments everyone's been saying. I'm, um, I'm like a glass half full, to be brutally honest. Like... I don't know. I don't understand why South Africa didn't start Malcolm Marks and the way he played that first test. So I've listened to David Kidwell and I've, they were in the game for 60 minutes in that first test against Australia and then they fell away. And rugby for me, it doesn't matter how pretty that back line is. If you're not winning up front, you're just not winning. So that contest alone is worth sitting in front of the TV and watching. I was kind of pleased that... Um, Forrester come out and actually said a few things, but this having two fullbacks, what a load of crap. And the, ga- the game hasn't changed, mate. Like, it's it's simple. And you hear Scott Barrett saying we're getting better or whatever he says. Like, really? I don't, I'm sick of hearing that dribble. Like, just get out there and win the game. Like, a bloke brought to my attention that, and I haven't Googled it, I can't be bothered Googling anything to be fair, but he reckons it's 50 tests since we've played the same combination. 50. Like, it used to take 50 tests for someone to get a, jer- a chance to get another jersey, and we won back then. So I don't know what's going on. Like all this, we've got plans up our sleeves. We've never had anything up our sleeves except arms, like every other team we're playing. Just get on there and win the battle up front. Sort that back line out. Like, I'll never be a fan of Rico at centre. I'm sorry, I just won't be. It's taking too long. You can't coach vision. Too long as a good rugby team in France. I'd like, if they want to put someone there and waste a couple of years, I think Geordie Barrett's skill set's better for 13 than 12. I really like Dave Harvey. I think the skill set's perfect for the game. So I don't know. Like, I'm just, I'm curious. Like, I want Rico on the team, by all means. I'm not sold on Caleb Clark at all. Not at all. Like, for me, he's learning. He's going to be good. But why are we getting guys in the All Blacks that are going to be good? We're supposed to be good when we get there. So I just don't know. Like, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, but I'm just... I'm not so sure it's going to be 13 plus. I mean, I hope it is. Hell, I hope it is. I'm just not yep. so sure. Well, Dean, I think it's. I personally, I, I, I could be drastically wrong here, but I think it could be a, a, a little bit of a blowout. Uh, here's a theory, um, and you're asking. You know, we in those days uh, we didn't mix and mingle our team. We just got on with it and we played. The the difference is these days though they play more. Fact one and fact two is they uh, they now have a thing called the World Cup which seems to be, Dean, the pinnacle and everything that you, every goal that you've got in rugby these days as an international side 
is is driven towards that goal. Everything you've got, and that is to be a, a very, very good World Cup performing team. And in our case, we can only win it or not. So, you know, uh, I think that's one of the reasons why we see the chopping and changing. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree 100%. And South Africa... Jeez, oh, I don't want to say we're just about covering me out there, but I reckon there's a reason why they've done what they've done. I think everyone knows the reason why they've done what they've done. They want to win the World Cup. Now, I think we're going to be better with what we've got. And I don't want to keep harping on about... Like, I just don't understand how a guy can get a million bucks and get us to fifth in the world and still have a job. Like, for me, that's just it's insanity. That just about defies the word insanity for me. But, like, I mean, he is a nice guy. I get that. I totally get that. But fifth in the world... That ain't nice. That's not nice. And South Africa, I've done this before. They go on that northern tour, and it's hard to make money on the TAB because they don't win every game over there like we do. They um, they mix and match, and they they have all their eggs in one basket for that World Cup. And when we go to the World Cup, we'll be going, I guarantee you, Smitty, we'll be going through the same thing. We won't have a clue who's going to start each test. And that, for me, is a recipe for disaster for New Zealand rugby. We've never won a World Cup when Scooby-Doo couldn't pick the team. When everyone on the planet knows what the All Blacks are going to do and they can name the 23 or 15 is all I really care about, because the game's won with the 15, let's be honest, in my opinion. And when everyone can pick that on the planet, we've won World Cups. When we've got 30 or 36 or 400 of the best players at the tournament, but we're not a champion team. We're a team of champions. We've come up drastically short. Auckland started it. They proved it years and years ago, mate. That's the best rugby I've seen. Then Canterbury took over. Then the Crusaders took over. The, re- the, the recipe's there. Like, I don't understand. I don't care that everyone on the planet knows what the All Blacks are going to do. If they're wasting their time trying to stop us, we can be a bit more in- inventive. But at the moment, we're playing catch-up. That's not going to win. And we, Nadi Savir is doing a fantastic job at number eight, but he's just not one. Okay, Dino, thank you very much uh, for your call this morning and uh, thanks to uh, the other people that have, have uh, phoned in as well. Uh, well, the proof of the pudding, as they say, uh, it'll be um, in the continuity of uh, what they've been able to do selection-wise and uh, the second-up performance of this very same team, the very same 23 as such. Not quite sure I'm uh, with you on the, it's 15 men that, that win the game, Dino. It uh, certainly wasn't last uh, time against uh, South Africa. It was the bench that had a great impact. And, of course, uh, the game, uh, it's not just an 80-minute game anymore. It stretches out way, way beyond 80 minutes of, of rugby. So that's why you have to have the 23 so heavily involved and on the same wavelength. And uh, quite often, the difference in bench, and this this hit on a good point this morning, the fact of the matter is the Springboks went to their bench before half time. Uh, they went to their bench early after halftime, and by the time we seriously got into our bench, theirs was done. Their, their, their 23 has basically been used up, and uh, we still had the fresh legs. So the strategy there uh, was uh, was interesting. It would be nice to get to the bottom of uh, Springbok rugby, I mean, and, and the, the rules and um, et cetera that they have to abide by, uh, and how that influences a, a coach as such, a head coach as such. But certainly... Um, from that point of view, um, they're different. They're certainly different. But when it comes to World Cups, they tend to find the right formula more often than not. It is 9.44 here on SENZ. Have uh, a few texts that have uh, come in. Um, 
Smithy, apparently before the All Blacks game at the ground, Razor is coming out in full Crusaders garb on a horse, sword in hand, to do laps to get the crowd fizzing. Uh, then at halftime, challenging Fozzie to a, a juiced, juiced for the All Black head coaching position. It might just be a rumour. That's from Jared. It might just be a rumour, Jared. Um, how come South Africa aren't coming to New Zealand to play the All Blacks, says uh, Mark from Lower Hutt. They're going to Aussie. Why not come here? Well, if you notice, not everyone goes everywhere like Australia. Went to Argentina, but Argentina won't go to Australia. Uh, we went to South Africa. South Africa won't come here. But the, the difference is there's always, uh, like, because of the Bledisloe Cup, there's always at least one home and away game, Mark. So that's why Australia are coming here and uh, we are going to Australia. And uh, also, Jared confirms the first time in 50 matches since 2018 that the All Blacks have rolled out the same starting 15. That is flabbergasting in itself. So uh, thank you very much uh, for your calls. Uh, We'll be back very shortly. Well, uh, we know that the uh, Tour Championship is on in uh, America. They're coming to the end of the first uh, round at the East Lake Club. And uh, Scotty Scheffler, who had a two-shot advantage starting the round, uh, has increased that to uh, four shots. He's 13 under after 16 holes. Xander Shoffley, nine under after 16 holes. In the clubhouse, Matt Fitzpatrick on uh, minus nine. Uh, Jakob Neiman on uh, uh, minus eight. Uh, Cantley at the moment on the course he was second seed going into this uh, he hasn't had a good day and he's now slipped to six behind uh, meanwhile uh, Ryan Fox has made an average start to the European Masters tournament in Switzerland uh, Foxy following a, he's had a three week break fired an opening round of uh, one over par 71 to be tied for 99th currently sixth on the DP Tour rankings had five bogeys and four birdies in his round he's nine shots behind the leaders Tristan Lawrence of South Africa and Alejandro Canasaras of Spain. So uh, that's uh, our latest golfing update. Um, and, of course, uh, we'll be talking golf after 11 o'clock this morning because there's been some uh, interesting toing and froing. Uh, you might well have read that uh, the PGA have uh, come up uh, courtesy of uh, some meetings and uh, the input of Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy as a duo with some interesting concepts to make uh, their players want to stay at home. Um, and uh, it is uh, quite substantial as well. But uh, Live Golf have come out uh, with a statement uh, um, this morning as well, saying basically in 17 words that golf is a, a lot better and um, it, all golfers have, will benefit more because of us, because of Live Golf. Everyone in the professional ranks will be better off. Uh, Mark has come in with a text, Smithy. I don't know why everyone is writing the ARGs off. Um, and and Aussies off. Every team lifts the gear when playing the All Blacks. Um, so Mark says, even now with uh, Ian Foster as head coach, I'm never confident. Well, uh, I don't think that he's ever going to lose that tag, unfortunately, uh, Fozzie, until he comes home with the World Cup. And then we'll all, um, every one of us, every man jack of us will have to say, OK, <coughs> he was right and um, we were wrong. Um, p- particularly those, uh, particularly those. Uh, people who have been uh, knockers, long-time knockers. Uh, it's uh, 9.52 here on SENZ. Uh, we've got uh, a multi to come before 10 o'clock. You got to know when the holder, know when the folder, Smithy's multi, know when to walk away, and know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Well, yesterday went relatively close, actually, um, but uh, close isn't good enough for Emilio Gomez. 
uh, was not able to beat Brandon Holt. He lost, uh, so uh, that one went uh, west. Uh, had a couple of good ones this week, and we're sitting on one uh, with a game of football uh, to be played later in September. Uh, the Storm to beat the Roosters. This is this weekend for me. The Storm to beat the Roosters at a dollar sixty-four. Auckland to beat Otago NPC a dollar forty-two. Leeds to beat Everton at two dollars. Arsenal to beat Aston Villa at a dollar forty. So four games of uh, footy across three codes. Um, Storm, Auckland, Leeds into Arsenal, and the return for that will be six dollars fifty-two. Six dollars. 52. Uh, the Tall Blacks actually remain uh, top of their Asian World Cup qualifying group after beating Saudi Arabia 80-65 to in Daman. New Zealand uh, dominated the first half and led uh, 55-25 at the break. The home side fought back after the break to close the gap, but the Tall Blacks were able to control the tempo of the game. Shay Ely top scored with 14 points, Ben Gold had 13, and Isaac Fotu 12. And now head home to play Jordan in Auckland on Monday, and the top three in each group qualify the next year's World Cup. Coming up uh, to 10 o'clock here on SENZ and uh, we'll have some news with Aroha uh, and then we're going to talk to Jacob Spoonley who's a good friend of the show uh, about the, the uh, Champions League draw which was made overnight. We'll look at uh, all the pools going forward. How does that affect uh, the, particularly the English sides in the competition? Here's Aroha. 10.03 here on SENZ and overnight the Champions League group stage draw was decided with defending champions Real Madrid in Group F alongside Celtic and others while last uh, season's other finalists Liverpool could face some early challenges if they want to go further this time around. The group stage will begin at an earlier date than usual on September the 6th and concluding ahead of the FIFA World Cup in Qatar in November. The Champions League knockout stages will then begin in February with the final in June so it's a long road ahead to find the ultimate champion. We're looking to be patient. Uh, but uh, joining us now is uh, former All-White and now football commentator Jacob Spoonley. Um, Jacob, good morning to you. Thanks uh, for your time. Uh, let's uh, quickly go through these groups and uh, looking at Group A out of uh, all the England clubs, it seems Liverpool could have a task, a, a tough task ahead of them up against uh, Ajax, Napoli and Rangers. Yeah, exactly. This is a, a really cosmopolitan group, um, Smitty, and um, before we get into stuck into this, mate, I hope you've got your ticket for the uh, All-Whites versus the Socceroos next month up at Eden Park, mate. That's going to be an absolute humdinger. Um, but coming back to uh, Group A, Ajax, Liverpool, Napoli and Rangers. Rangers sneaked in there by the smallest of margins against PSV, so they've got to return to European football. But the real question mark for me, and even more so as a Liverpool fan, is what is Jurgen Klopp going to do before the transfer window shuts to bolster the midfield options that he's got available? So at the moment, you'd expect Liverpool to top this group, maybe through a challenge uh, from the likes of Napoli, but that's come into a bit of a, a, a shadow of a cloud at the moment of uncertainty around the performances that they've put in recently. Why, what, is, what has been wrong with them? Uh, I watched the Liverpool Man U game the other day. What, what are they lacking, really? Well, it's interesting. There's been a real, <laughs> I use the word evolution, um, without thinking it through, but an evolution since Darwin Nunez came to Liverpool. Klopp wants to change the style. He wants to have a number nine and base the play around that, have the, the likes of uh, Salah and um, uh, Diego Luis um, in a wider uh, area and really get them to attack and, expand, and, and perhaps a bit more expansive play. Traditionally, they had a bit more of a narrow 4-3-3 formation with Mane, 
um, and Salah closely uh, aligned to Firmino. And I just don't think they've quite got the balance right at the moment. There was chat that they're looking at Jude Bellingham in from Borussia Dortmund uh, this window, um, but it looks like that might be delayed for next year, and they seemingly don't have a plan B. And now that Thiago's injured, that creative spark in midfield, the midfield general just seems to be lacking at the moment. Group B features uh, Atletico, Madrid, Porto, Bayer, Leverkusen, and Club Brugge. Who do you like there? To be honest, Smitty, this has got more of a Europa League-type field to it. So this is perhaps not one of the more fancy groups. Um, I think you can't look beyond Atletico Madrid. Uh, Diego Simeone still has a wonderful hold, a wonderful grasp on the identity of that team, and they're going to be difficult to overcome uh, in terms of defending the, um, the, the castle in Madrid. Um, Porto, there's still the production um, line for a lot of European football clubs. Um, they obviously can recruit through South America. The Portuguese player development system is, um, seems to be turning out players year in and year out. So they're, again, a team for me that might be able to come up with a result here and there. Um, and then Club Bruges, uh, I think they could be making up the numbers a little bit here. So um, Bayer Leverkusen might have to fight out for that second spot with Porto. Group season, interesting one. Some powerhouses uh, previously with uh, Bayern Munich, Barcelona, Inter Milan, and Victoria making up the numbers there. That's a tough group. It is a tough group, mate. And look, um, I think Inter Milan, uh, a couple of decades ago, you were fancy them to be in the conversation, but it seems to me to be very much a two-legged race, a two-horse race there with Bayern Munich and Barcelona. The question will be, can Barcelona play its best eleven? A number of the summer signings, um, are under a bit of a cloud at the moment. Um, they haven't been registered for La Liga. Um, I'm not sure what that means for European football, but you might not see the likes of Robert Lewandowski um, leading the line for Barcelona at this stage. So, um, again, <laughs> a common theme seems to be uncertainty here, and we won't know until the window shuts and we get a, more of an understanding as to what the, uh, the ability for Barcelona to utilise all of their players will be. Tottenham have a, a, an interesting group in uh, Group D uh, alongside Eintracht Frankfurt, Sporting Lisbon and Marseille. Uh, what's the like about that grouping from uh, Conte's point of view? It's winnable, I think is the first thing um, that Conte will be looking at, mate. Um, again, potentially not um, the strongest sides in that particular group. Um, Frankfurt won the Europa League last year, beating Rangers um, to get there. So they'll put up a bit of a fight again. There is Side that looks to really grab some speculative players, develop them, and then flick them on. So they're um, in very much of a churn um, in that particular club. But I think this is Tottenham's to win today. Okay, Group E, Chelsea with uh, AC Milan, Red Bull Salzburg, and Dy Dynamo Zagreb. Don't do not go beyond Salzburg. Do not look beyond them at this point. Yes, everyone's going to look towards Chelsea and AC Milan. Um, two perennial powerhouses um, in the European and domestic game. But Salzburg, they've got that Red Bull network up and running again. They've replaced their players that they lost over the last couple of seasons really well. Haaland's come through there. So um, they do have a number of players up top that caused Liverpool a whole heap of problems in the preseason game. And I expect them to take that sort of form and mentality into this Group E. OK, uh, we'll keep moving down very quickly. Uh, Celtic have been drawn with defending champions Real Madrid, um, Leipzig and the Ukrainian side Shakhtar Donsk as well. Who gets out of that group? 
I'm going to put my um, hand on my heart here and say I hope Ange Postacoglu takes this group by storm. Um, the Australian coaches uh, leading the revolution um, for the boys in the hoops is doing a wonderful job. He's starting to turn heads after that initial firework period where it was basically written off before it even got onto the field to coach the team. Again, this is a group where I think you'll look at it and say, yeah, we can definitely pick up points and stay in the conversation. However, it's a pretty tough order going up against last year's finalists in Real Madrid and RB Leipzig, who, again, part of that Red Bull group, that new approach to football, very analytical, very player-oriented in terms of understanding how they can develop players and get value from them. So this is a group that I really like. It's very intriguing to me, and it's one to watch on a Tuesday or a Wednesday morning. Manchester City's new striker, Erling Haaland. That's you saw him a photo is on the beach. I think guys get to the beach a lot these days. Uh, we'll square off against his former club, Borussia Dortmund. Uh, They're they, they also Sevilla uh, and FC Copenhagen. Uh, will they go further than the semi-finals this time around, Man City, you reckon? Mate, this is the group for Kiwis. So um, Marco Semenich was on the bench this morning. He played in the first leg of the stuff again. Um, trapped in sport. I woke up and I saw Man City Kavir Bruce Dortmund. So Marcus match is pretty fair of all one that we saw last match. Could be up against De Bruyne, could be up against Ivan Rakitic and Jude Bellingham. What absolutely amazing story for a player that was playing down in Western Suburbs only a few years ago um, and is now going to go toe-to-toe with guests in Europe. Looking a little bit beyond our own selfish interests, Man City versus Borussia Dortmund. Borussia Dortmund versus um, Man City is one for me that's always tantalising. Borussia Dortmund um, have probably perfected what I've sort of done to play a recruitment development so they get the players for three years and from their home club before they get picked up by the big team like Harland um, has done. And he'll be returning back to the West Island Stadium. So I think to prove a point more than anything that he can do it at the very top level and the very best host team. And just finally, uh, Jacob, uh, Paris Saint-Germain, Juventus, Benfica and Maccabi Haifa make up uh, Group H. PSG for you? Yeah, I think so, Smitty. Juventus are a little bit of an unknown quantity at the moment. Chiellini's obviously left in the um, the summer along with him. So they might be a little bit lightweight at the back, and that's not something you want to be saying when you come up against Mbappe, Neymar and Messi. Um, but some good European royalty here. Benfica, again, they've just sold Darwin Nunez to Liverpool, so it'll be interesting to see that who they get to fill. Um, and Maccabi Haifa, I think, are probably making up the numbers again in this one. But could, could cause an upset. OK, so um, I know you've, you're pressed for time, so I just want to ask you quickly about the EPL this weekend. Jacob, what, what's your must-watch match in the EPL? Oh, I think it's going to be an interesting one. I mean, selfishly, as a little fan, I'd say watch for the backlash against Bournemouth. Um, but I'm not, yeah, I, I'm, it's an interesting one to see because there's so much going on at the moment that haven't really shivered themselves down. I think we're still looking at another few weeks before we start seeing the power hierarchy in place. Um, but I'm going to have to go with Liverpool versus Bournemouth, mate. Okay, Liverpool versus Bournemouth, and uh, next Wednesday night, the Phoenix against the MacArthur, another showdown. Uh, in the Australian Cup. 
exactly. And um, I think this leads into the, a nice run of football over the next couple of weeks. So we've got the Wellington Phoenix in the Australia Cup. They've knocked off last year's uh, grand finalists in Melbourne City. They've got MacArthur uh, in the next round. I think it's a beautiful side because of the changes that have happened with MacArthur. We've seen that kind of super foundation that Rupi Tully's put in place. He's added to it with Krayev and Kostas Marusas, both players that contributed towards that um, win in the last round. And then we go into um, the countdown to the soccer reserves before White, right before the league season starts. So we've talked about how European football's came back online. We've done stretched our leagues as well, Silly. Jacob Spoonley, always a pleasure catching up, mate. Um, thank you very much for your time this morning. Uh, look forward to that uh, group stages of the Champions League. God, there's a lot of football coming up, mate. Can't wait. Absolutely, mate. Can't wait to see you up in um, Eden Park, mate. We'll have a couple of Alpha Diamond Sarahs waiting for you. Look forward to it. Absolutely look forward to it, Jacob. Uh, thank you again. That's 10.14 here on SENZ. We'll have a panel shortly. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. All right, panellists this morning are Ollie Ritchie and Brad Lewis. Uh, Brad Lewis, I'll start with you, sir. <clears throat> it's quite a calmness about the, the build-up to the All Blacks against Argentina. It's almost uh, like um, all, the, all the, the stuff's gone away, all that other stuff's gone away with the announcement of uh, Ian Foster carrying on, Joe Smith back into the ranks as well. And we're, uh, we've got a calmness about an All Black build-up to a Test match. Yeah, kia ora, Smithy, kia ora, O'Reilly. Uh, yeah, look, um, the the evil demon in me is kind of hoping, or not hoping, but wondering how interesting it would be if the All Blacks don't get over the line this weekend, <laughs> Smithy, and, and what Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday will be like, especially for Ollie, who's going to be uh, over that, all over that story. But it has been um, becalmed, hasn't it? Uh, you know, the, the team announcement, just the one change in force with, um, with Bowden's injury, and I think there's probably off the back of that South African test an expectation that the All Blacks will get the job done reasonably comfortably on Saturday. And there's nothing to suggest that they won't, given their form against the Pumas in home test matches. But I don't know, man. I watched that game against the Wallabies, and Argentina don't play rugby like they used to. They've still got those big forwards, but, man, do they have some exciting backs. And who knows, Smithy? Michael Checker uh, hasn't had a great history against the All Blacks, but uh, this would be... A, a massive, massive turn up if the Pumas can get the job done. There's just something about this test that makes me feel like the All Blacks are in a pretty comfortable position and, and they're confident off the back of that Springboks test. But like I said, Smithy, uh, the, the little demon in me is, is just wondering what an interesting couple of days it would be if the Pumas get over the line on, on Saturday night. Yeah, interesting indeed. Over the last 12 minutes on uh, South Africa, what might have been, but we now know what is going to be, uh, Ollie Ritchie, and um, there seems to be uh, um, a more of an acceptability about, uh, I think it's the right word, an acceptability amongst fans and even amongst the media, do you think now? Well, yeah, I, I think so. Morning, Smithy. Morning to you, Bilu, as well. Um, yeah, look, I, I think there has to be now. Um, what's done is done. It was a tense two weeks in, in South Africa, to say the least, particularly... Uh, the final week in Johannesburg, of course, you know, with Foster's future hanging on that Alice Park result. Um, but New Zealand rugby has has made its decision, and whether the New Zealand public uh, agree with that or don't agree with that, uh, that is their decision, and, and that's who will be leading them through uh, to the World Cup next year. There are no two ways about it. There are no more reviews. There's no more time for discussion and debriefs. This is the All Blacks picture um, to go through to the World Cup next year. So... 
Uh, I, I think it has been accepted now, um, and, and certainly I think you know uh, Ian Foster will probably relax a little bit more, um, maybe more after this weekend, because there is kind of like Brad point, uh, alluded to, there, there is a little bit of pressure on this team because they've just had the big result in Alice Park. Ian Foster's been retained. Um, you know, New Zealand rugby said, we have faith and confidence in you to lead this team through to the World Cup. Well, they're going to be looking pretty silly if the All Blacks can't get the job done this week. So there is a little element of pressure for the All Blacks to win and win well. Uh, and, and just to reaffirm that decision from New Zealand rugby, but certainly um, it's, been a bit, it's been a bit more calm this week, <laughs> shall we say. It is interesting, uh, too, Brad. Um, one of the things I'm going to be looking at very closely is the uh, defensive structure of Argentina, and they will be tested tomorrow night. There's no doubt about that. Uh, and it's a defensive structure set up by one David Kidwell. What have you made with that? Yeah. Well, he's, he's done a pretty good job. Uh, and look, David Kidwell, um, Smithy, I don't know if you agree with this, but you know, there's a lot of talk around Stephen Kearney being a fantastic assistant coach, but not a great head coach. And kind of feel like David Kidwell falls into the same category because if you speak to the NRL coaches that have coached with him, he's the best assistant coach you've ever had. Uh, but when he, of course, coached the Kiwis, <laughs> arguably the worst Kiwis coach in the history of New Zealand Rugby League. So, uh, yeah, like, uh, he, he's obviously very good at working with people. You know, jo- John Mitchell was, was, was similar in that, right? Like, with what he did with England. Uh, and, yeah, there's just some people that aren't quite cut out to, for a head coach role. Now, he switched to a different sport, but, you know, we've seen what, uh, what, what the Irish coach did after a background in Rugby League as well. Uh, so, um, it's definitely uh, more common these days than it has been in the past. I think Sean Edwards, the former rugby league international, was also a pretty decent rugby assistant coach as well um, um, in the England system. So, yeah, he's obviously doing a pretty good job to, to start off with. And, and full credit to Michael Checker for taking a gamble on, on David Kidwell. Uh, Brad, the Warriors appear to have a, a massive issue now. Um, uh, it's just not on the field performance. We know the scores reflect that anyway. But the attitude. Attitude is something that mm. um, is slightly different. Uh, if you've got no desire to front up, um, even at training as well, by the sounds of things, um, you're on a hiding to nothing from a coaching point of view. Um, I didn't think they'd ever do this to Stacey Jones, to be fair. Yeah, it's um, it's dismal, Smithy, and they're paying $14, and Penrith are paying a dollar and one cent. Like, they're unbackable. Like, you know, old, old mate Steel Bulls wouldn't even be putting money on um, on the Panthers this, this week. And, yeah, there's, there's a... There's a I don't know. There's just something um, deep within that that uh, organisation that that's clearly wrong. And, and look, Andrew Webster said some really good things this week about what he wants from his team, and he won't suffer for fools. And, and that's important. But we've heard that before. So yeah, uh, they're on a hiding to nothing this week. I think the players know that. And and uh, but at the at the same time, smoothly, they get paid, getting paid a lot more than me, probably a lot more than you. Although you know there are rumours. Uh, but but yeah, uh, I I would love to see the see the players get up but the fact of the matter is that Penrith despite the fact they've wrapped up the minor premiership have still they're still bringing back James Luai this week still bringing back James Fisher-Harris so uh, they're trying to prime themselves for a finals campaign uh, and and I think we could be in for a pretty horrific scoreline this week uh, and the players just need to give themselves a kick up the ass maybe it's not good enough uh, and uh, yeah it, it's it's frustrating as a fan of this team since 1995 to see the the club and the state that it's at now, it is in right now this season. This is the worst season for me and in, in Warriors history. 
don't believe rumours, Brad. Don't believe rumours. Uh, you should know that and as a journalist. You should know that. Now, Ollie Ritchie, um, the thing that worries me most about this uh, is that how do you... I mean, uh, you've got a new coaching structure. We know that. Stacey Jones sl- slots back into that co- coaching structure as such. Uh, this is for the Warriors, of course, I'm talking about. A new coaching structure. They're going to have a break shortly. They're not going to be involved in the playoffs, so they have a bit more of a break than the other teams. But how the hell do you fix attitude? How do you do that in that short space of time? That's the most concerning thing. It's a mental It's a mental thing. It's a, it's a choice. I remember interviewing Nathan Brown after that Melbourne storm clash on Anzac Day. And, you know, we thought it was horrific then. And he said the same thing. You know, players gave up. It's an attitude thing. And, and you know, the fact that we're, we're here uh, all these weeks later still talking about the same issues is just, quite frankly, embarrassing for a professional organisation. Um, Sweep the broom through that through that club. Get get rid of uh, a, a whole lot of backroom staff. Get rid of assistant coaches because clearly, if they can't play for Stacey Jones, an absolute club legend, well then who the hell can they play for? They're quite frankly an embarrassment to themselves, an embarrassment to the club. Um, and, and you know, talking talking uh, is easy. You know, we need to fix our attitude. Well, they don't know how to. You know, they just drop their bottom lip whenever they get behind on, on the scoreboard, get behind on the field. And yes, they're a terrible team, as Brad's alluded to, and they're playing a very good team, Penrith Panthers, um, this weekend. Uh, but, you know, for a professional sporting organisation, a professional rugby league team that's been around, um, you know, for all those years since since 95, and, and, you know, for the fans that have followed them through, through thick and thin, they just deserve better. And if you're a Warriors fan, why the hell should you buy a membership for next season when they return to Mount Smart? Why the hell should you take your kid out to watch them at Mount Smart when you know they just give up when they fall behind on the scoreboard? It's embarrassing, and I don't know what the answer is, and I know I'm talking around in circles a little bit to your question, Smithy, because I don't actually know what the answer is, but certainly if they can't play for, for Stacey Jones and they can't get up for Stacey Jones, then you know, what, what to make you think they're going to get up for Andrew Webster next season? Don't know. Absolutely don't know at this point. You're sitting myself. The question marks are all around that. They're gonna. Oh, they should be looking at it right here and now. They should be, and not just waiting for the season to be over. Take a deep breath and move on because uh, this attitude has to stop right now, uh, even leading forward. Because these players are now contracted through to next year, and they can't do much about the personnel that they've got. They're, uh, they've signed the dotted line, but certainly they've got to want to do something about their attitude. We don't. We don't even see any attitude from. Uh, Novak Djokovic, uh, Ollie, at the US Open because uh, he's out due to his vaccination status. He stayed solid on this. Yeah, certainly. I, I, um, I'm not surprised either. He doesn't strike me as someone that's willing to uh, to fall back on on his beliefs and what what he thinks is right um, for the sake of for the sake of getting into the country. Look, he's won plenty of majors um, and he'll probably win a few more as well. Um, you know, the fact that he tried to get into Australia. Uh, unvaccinated um, with that measly excuse and then got turfed out was, was all rather funny. Um, I, I don't particularly think the US Open lacks anything not having Novak there. Yes, he's a good player, but I don't particularly like him. Um, he's got a terrible attitude. He drops his lip when things aren't going well. Sort of might fit in well at the uh, at Warriors, actually. Um, but, yeah, I, I, don't, um, I don't think I'll particularly miss watching him at the US Open um, because, you know, frankly... I um I'd like to see someone else win a major, and I'm a big uh, I'm a big Federer fan and a big big Nadal fan. After that, and I'd love one of those two to hold the all-time record anyway. So the the further they can pull away from Novak Djokovic, 
uh, the better. Although I think Roger Federer's time might be done. I think it's done. I think it's absolutely done. I think he's been away from it, uh, the competitive side of it for, for too much. He's a brilliant player, um, you know, the likes of which we'll uh, hardly see again. But I think he's done. 10.30 here on SENZ. And we have uh, Ollie Ritchie and Brad Lewis on the panel. We'll take a quick breather uh, with the news with uh, Araha here. We'll come back and talk about some other stuff. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Ollie Ritchie with us this morning, as is uh, Brad Lewis. And uh, Brad, uh, we'll just stick with uh, Djokovic for a second or two. What's your feeling about Novak Djokovic? Oh, I said exactly where Ollie does. Never been a fan. Smithy. I always feel with Novak, he would always find an injury break in him if he was trailing by a set or so in a, in a big game. He's just not a very likable human. Uh, and uh, just the way that he... And, but the, 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 the shame in that is when he came onto the scene, he was. Like, he used to mimic Maria Sharapova and play with the crowd and, and things like that. But I just think as he got more and more successful and, and the pressure that he probably put on himself to, to, to win multiple, multiple Grand Slams, he just became a lot more intense and a lot more unlikable. So I don't think the tournament's going to miss him in any way whatsoever, uh, and uh, I certainly won't. And, and I'm, not, I'm, I'm a big Nadal fan. I'm a big Federer fan as well and would love to see someone new step up and, and, and win at Flushing Meadow. Uh, always a great tournament for Kiwis, uh, Smithy, because it's... The, the viewing time's perfect, right? Like sort of early morning uh, through to around lunchtime. So it's always it's always good to, to sit, sit, sit down at work and watch a, some good games of tennis throughout the afternoon. Brad, um, speaking of viewing time, um, and I, I just wonder, you, you've talked about the fact that you've been a long, long time and long-suffering Warriors supporter. Eight o'clock tonight, what will you be doing? Will you be watching or not? No, I won't be. Uh, yeah, that's um, I, I, look. I've watched two games this year, Smithy. I watched the homecoming game against the West Tigers, um, and uh, there was a, a game earlier in the season. I just I can't put myself through it. I've got I've got the tribe app, so I get my notifications uh, throughout the game to see how how the, the team's going, and if it's close, I might switch on. But I'm one of these blokes, Smithy, that I, I'm bad luck. Like I'll, I'll tune into the game; they're leading like 16-0. I'm like, oh sweet, I'm going to watch it, and then sure enough, the first play, the opposition team scores. So like, I'm one of those I'm one of those bad juju fans, Smithy. So look, I, I can't put myself through it anymore. My partner told me I was going to drive myself into having a heart attack, um, and, and given the fact that Liverpool's had a shocking start to the season too. Uh, Smithy, uh, you know, I'd, I'd rather spend my investment on them. And you talk about attitude, um, and, and full credit to Manchester United. And Eric Ten Hag said this at the end of the game. He said that my players are quality players, but it, it was all in the attitude. They had attitude for this game. They went out there all week. They showed attitude at training. And he said attitude is the, is 90%. Skill and technique is 10%. And that's that's a that's a, a great quote. And uh, just while we're on it, also uh, well wishes to Gordy, who of course is um, isn't doing is, uh, had a had a bit of a surgery the other day, and I'm sure he woke up with tears in his eyes when he was told United had beaten Liverpool two one. Absolutely, he would have. Um, yeah, Andrew Gordy, if you're listening, um, all the best uh, from uh, us here at SENZ. Of course, uh, Andrew is a regular panelist for us as well. Um, has had uh, surgery and uh, be out of action for. A little while, so uh, wife Kate will be waiting on him hand and foot, no doubt. Uh, let's get to um, some cricket news uh, now, uh, Ollie Ritchie. And uh, I see uh, Ross Taylor and James Neesham, Jimmy Neesham, have declared their interest in the BBL draft as well, joining Trent Bolt. Now, I have no doubt Trent Bolt will be picked up and for a decent amount of money. Maybe Jimmy Neesham and Ross Taylor clutching at straws a wee bit now? 
Yeah, potentially. Smithy, that was sort of my first thought when I saw the news as well. Um, I mean, first of all, good on them for, for declaring for that. I think it's a cool concept, and it's nice and close to home for our players as well, isn't it? So it's not like they've got to travel halfway around the world and um, and put up in, a, in an awful time zone and stuff like that. Um, you know, it's a really it's a really cool competition, very watchable back here. I love having the BBL on um, during the summer. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Faulty will go for... Um, for quite a bit, I think he'll be quite a popular pickup. Um, I think several teams will be after him, and, and fair play to him as well. He's just been a wonderful servant of New Zealand cricket, um, and has done so much for the game here. And in all three formats, he has 100% earned the right to do what he wishes uh, with his future, and, and that is to declare for for these sorts of leagues around the world. So good on him. Um, he he will certainly go for for a bit. I would think I'd see massive value in Nisham as well. I think um, I still can't get my head around how he didn't get a central contract with New Zealand cricket. I think that's just a massive, massive oversight. And we've already seen since those contracts came out um, what he's done for the Black Caps and, and won some games for them there. So I think he'll be a handy pickup. Ross Taylor might go somewhere, though, Smithy. He can still hit a ball, can't he? He'll still yeah. be able to get a ball over the MCG boundary. I think he'll, I think he'll be reasonable. Well, well, he's a possibility. OK, go, go, I you go, Brad. And, and the reason I say that is because Bolt and Neesham, they, they're not going to be able to play the whole tournament, right, because they've got commitments elsewhere. Ross Taylor could, can play every single game. And you're looking at one of the, the, the greatest players in world cricket in the last 20 years uh, that you could have for a whole season. You might not play every game, but, you know, like a team like, like the Hurricanes or the Melbourne Stars that have, have been pretty poor in the last few years, surely an experienced player like Ross Taylor would be the perfect fit for, for, for your team and, and the fact that he can play every single game or he can, he's going to be there for, for the duration of the tournament, that would surely add to his value, wouldn't it? Yeah, well, you would think so. Um, you would think so, but um, I'm, not quite, I'm not quite sure. Fresh legs, don't know. Um, we'll wait and see. Um, maybe he's had um, a reason that he's put his name in, in the draft, uh, whether he's just fishing, uh, got a hook on the end of his line, or, or whether he's been told, put your name forward, because... You know, they, these guys, uh, they can do a lot of work behind the scenes before the bidding starts. So maybe he's had some sort of indication that uh, there's a role for him. Um, really good news for Hawks Bay tomorrow, uh, Brad, because uh, Brody Retallick is going to step out for them in the Shield Clash uh, against uh, North Harbour. Uh, his first appearance in the famous jersey since 2011, and I'm sure Ian Foster will be looking at that too. Yeah, and I've been thinking about this, and and Brody Retallick has has sort of flattered to the sieve since he came back um, from his sort of sabbatical, and I'd like to see him just spend the rest of the season um, at home playing NPC rugby and just get back to that Brody Retallick that we love. Do the All Blacks really need him when you've got a world-class player? I I don't know if they they do for the rest of the season because it's not like the Wallabies are a massive threat at line-out time, and I think we've got enough to get through them. Like, Ollie's probably a better person to judge that, but I just feel like there's something been missing with Brody's game and, and maybe just, um, you know, working away at his game in, in at NPC level, drawing crowds in there. And it might be good for Brody Retallick just to take that pressure off him get himself nice and fit so he can attack next year because we want Brody, we want like the, you know, the 2014, the 2015 Brody Retallick playing at that level for the All Blacks uh, come the World Cup next year. So Brad, you're um, a fully declared Liverpool supporter, yeah? <laughs> yes, I am. Yep. Okay. Ollie Ritchie, who do you support? 
Um, well, I'm, I've always I've always sort of struggled with the Premier League, Smithy, but um, since starting at News Hub and hearing all these punishers talk about Manchester United and Liverpool and all that kind of thing, I've jumped on Manchester City because I just think they're, they're a wonderful team. And um, it's mainly because it winds everyone else up in the office. Um, but I, I'm, so I'm Man, Man City through and through. The sky blues. Okay. Uh, I'm just going to read you a text. I want you to see if you can guess who it's from. Um, Ollie Ritchie. Smithy, if you talk to Ollie Ritchie today uh, about the EPL, don't let him tell you he's a Man City fan. He's actually an Aston Villa, um, Aston Villa man who used to wear his Villa top to Mufti Day at Boys High, then when City got good, just started showing up in City gear. Absolute grub. Cheers. And don't me, get me started on his fan change from the Hurricanes to the Crusaders. The man's got more clubs than Tiger Woods. Who would have sent that, you reckon? I tell you what, Robbie Bonish needs to get back to work on his dagger. He's got far too much spare time on his hands to be texting that in. Oh, brilliant. I, I thought it, I thought it you, might you have been know. a K Downs, but that's all right. No, no, no it's, he, uh, that's my... my it. yeah. <laughs> he nailed it in one. So, fellas, <laughs> uh, have a great weekend. Uh, there's a feast of sport. Uh, all the best to Aston Villa over the weekend. Uh, gentlemen, it's been a pleasure. Uh, we'll have another panel on uh, Monday morning. Ollie Ritchie and Brad Lewis, top stuff. 10.42 here on SENZ. Well, it is a massive weekend in the inaugural GJ Gardner Tauihi Women's Basketball League. There's absolutely uh, everything on the line this weekend. And yesterday, uh, producer Logan Swinkles caught up with mainland Pōkai head coach Tali Bevilacqua about the Tauihi semi-final matchup against the Tokomanawa Queens and how women's basketball in both Australia and New Zealand continues to rise. You can listen to the full interview on SENZ app, if you like, or wherever you get your podcasts. Search for SENZ Mornings. But here's a snippet from that interview now. Overall, how would you define, you know, the inaugural season of the Toehi? Like, you know, some critics might say, you know, there's the whole thing that no one watches women's sport, which is a complete cop-out. So, Oh, yes. Yeah. That's, such a, that's an old line now that, you know, it's so boring when you hear that. Um, oh, no. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So do you, do you think this league is proving those doubters wrong? Oh, for sure. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, you've got to give the league time to grow. I mean, this is its first year. I mean, when let's just go back to when men's NBL started. It took time for the product to grow. So we're only just in the first year here, and it has been to me, it's been a success. So they've they've laid the foundations now for it to only get bigger and better going forward. But you know, people just have to understand it. it, it with anything that you start up, it takes time, and uh, I feel that if that investment is there and and it's given the time to um, to grow, um, you will see the fruits of that down the track. One thing I was I was really curious about, Tully, is you know we've got the New Zealand Breakers in the AMBL uh, with the quality of players that you've seen and coached this season in the Toihi. Could you picture like a New Zealand franchise in the Aussie WNBL someday? Well, they used to back in the day, and um, I was actually playing for the Canberra Capitals when there was the sirens who played one season in the WNBL, the Australian WNBL. Um, I don't know why it only was one season. That you know, I wasn't involved, obviously, with basketball over here um, to understand why, but um, you, you never know. And that's the growth of the sport from, you know, continuing to grow this, this competition here, and then those things can possibly be entertained down the track. 
Um, but, um, you know, never say never. Because it, it, it only is just going to give the local players that opportunity to play all year round. It's going to make the national team stronger. Um, they want to elevate their um, status in world basketball. Um, and this is all a part of that. That's uh, Tali Bevilacqua talking to uh, our very own Logan Swinkles. And as I said, you can listen to that full interview on SENZ app, if you like, or wherever you get your podcasts. It is 10.50 here on SCNZ. We'll be back uh, talking racing and greyhounds and sports betting very shortly. The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz. Racing's biggest fan. That's a busy couple of days ahead uh, for the thoroughbreds. Uh, Hawara today won a heavy 10, seven races there. Um, uh, Fox Bridge at Tarapa and across at Caulfield, it's the Memsey Stakes as well. So, Louis, plenty to get your teeth into. Yes, Smithy, absolutely. And I'll just start with a little victory lap because I think it's quite important. Uh, during the week, TAB.co.nz came out with the latest promotion, right? No deductions on final field. And straight away, everybody who thinks about the stuff went, wow, how do we find an edge? Well, if you can find a race where you're pretty sure the horse that's in there in the market isn't going to go to, obviously you want to bet around it. Cork is a very talented wet track galloper, very talented galloper for Mike Maroney and Pam Gerard. But when they didn't have a jockey booked in race seven at Awapuni in the open handicap 1550, and we knew the track was going to be bottomless, you had to start thinking, wow, what are we going to do? This morning we said with Alan Sharrick, who's got Just Ask Me in the race, how is Just Ask Me? Can he go close? He said Cork was the danger. We pointed out where there was no jockey booked. So I hope everybody took the 380 because right now it's 280 and you've done nothing. No money market move just a deduction which you're going to get paid in full so this is what you need to be looking for this spring we can make money we can take money off the bookies here just by getting ahead of the game listening to good information and trying to get your head around this stuff so congratulations if anyone played just ask me you're already winning and the race hasn't even he hasn't even started to move in the market and i guarantee you he will before start knowing how wet the track's going to be smithy the memsy do you have one on top no, I don't really. Uh, I find it quite a, a tough uh, race to read. Um, spoke to uh, your good friend John Barry yesterday, a little bit disgruntled with the uh, outside draw for call sign Mav. Um, New Zealand interest in Dragon Leap, which is big in the market. Um, when I say big, big money. Um, I, I, I really can't sort one out, to be honest, Louis. Yeah, look, I think important for punters, we think we're going to go to Melbourne in spring and get a dry track, and we will eventually, but at the moment it's a heavy. I think it was only a heavy eight over there, but that's really crucial because a lot of these horses, the good Group 1 horses, are starting their camp, their Group 1 campaigns at Wait for Age here, and they need good tracks. So look for the New Zealand breeds. Tafane, can she do it again? She's won these sorts of races. For me, I'm Thunderstruck, son of Socket, shocking. Um, we've seen him win on a heavy track. We've seen him win at Group 1 level. Dragon Leap, I mean, I, I would suspect part of the reason he's over there is looking for a good track, and I just think it's going to be a bit tricky for him. Uh, Elation, the boom horse. Fourth start, wait for age Group 1. It would be some sort of feat. We're actually going to talk to Michael Kent Jr., co-trainer on the Mail Run tomorrow morning at 9.30 about I'm Thunderstruck and Elation. So tune back in for that. Okay, Louis Herman, what there? Great punting over the weekend, uh, my friend. Uh, let's get across to uh, Pip Morris, where there are greyhounds at Addington and Palmerston North today, Pip, and uh, a host of sports betting options. 
Good morning to you, Smithy. It certainly is. And on Palmerston North too, we've got power plays available on every race. I really like the power plays in race five. A nice play around Highview Bruce and Drunken Lullaby to run top four at 220. On the sports side of things, we've got a nice multi come in. $5,000 on the All Blacks match result into England and South Africa. Double chance on the cricket. Australia head-to-head in their cricket match. Storm to start with 21 and a half points and the Panthers head to head to return 6.4 thousand so uh, we do wish that punter good luck and another $2,000 multi on the Eels which they got up last night starting with the 9.5. Sharks head to head Storm to cover the 12.5. Rabbitohs 10.5 point start and Panthers to cover the 28.5 maybe to return 6.1 thousand so a couple of nice little NRL plays there to look forward to over the weekend. Look, Morris, thank you very good. Uh, thank you very much. And you have a very good uh, weekend, I should say, uh, over the weekend. I hope uh, the Greyhounds treat you well and uh, everything else uh, as, as well. So uh, thanks, Pip. Uh, right, uh, after the break, we shall be talking uh, a bit of live golf, a bit of uh, tour championship golf with our good friend David Bileski, golf scor- correspondent extraordinaire. And in the meantime, it's 11 o'clock. Here's Araha. It is uh, 11.03 here on SCNZ and uh, the Tour Championship uh, Round 1 has concluded. Uh, give you the scores now. Scotty Scheffler, who started at uh, 10 under, uh, has got through to 15 under after Round 1. Uh, Xander Shoffley is at minus 10. Um, Matthew Fitzpatrick, minus 9. And Patrick uh, Cantlay, minus 8. Um, Joachim Nieneman from um, Chile is uh, minus 8. Uh, and then we've got... Uh, Rory McIlroy, who had an incredible round this morning. Uh, Barry has just texted in and said, did, did you have a look at Rory's card? I said, well, not really. He said, well, have a look at this. One eagle, eight birdies, four pars, four bogeys, one triple bogey. That is incredible, and that is uh, Rory McIlroy. So, uh, I mean, if you're ever going to golf and you want to follow somebody, uh, you need to go and follow Rory McIlroy, don't you? Playing alongside Cameron Smith, actually, and that's uh, an interesting uh, draw in itself because... We know that uh, Cameron Smith, uh, all sorts of rumours floating around that, yes, he will uh, go commit to uh, live golf, and it will be as, as soon as uh, Monday or Tuesday because uh, he didn't want to make any commitment because uh, he wanted to play in the Tour Championship, which, of course, he is doing now. So uh, after that, uh, it seems like he will go. Uh, Mark Leishman will go. Um, and the big one is uh, whether Hideki Matsuyama will go or stay because if he goes, then the whole of Japan will basically go across to uh, Live Golf. And that, that will mean also, of course, they'll have a bigger market, um, become a lot more powerful in terms of their stance around uh, the world of golf. John Rahm, minus six, if he's uh, one of your players. Uh, Justin Thomas, minus six. Morikawa, minus five. Uh, Jordan Spieth, minus four. Um, and uh, Adam Scott, minus two. Um, there are only 30 players uh, entering uh, this stage of uh, the tournament. But the, uh, the most interesting thing, of course, is that uh, down to 29, with uh, Zella Torres pulling out and guaranteeing himself, guaranteeing himself uh, $500,000 for not even playing. I thought they might have added a, another player from uh, the group below, um, like the number 31 qualifier, uh, but instead they haven't done that. Uh, what they have effectively done is just said, we'll play with 29, and Will Zella Torres, uh, you get the minimum prize at this point of $500,000. Not, not too bad. Right, okay, um, we'll just uh, wait for David Bileski to become available. Uh, but every uh, Friday in this hour, we catch up with uh, a Greyhound Racing 
personality. Uh, this week, we're going to uh, speak uh, now to uh, Edward Rennell, who is the incoming CEO of Greyhound Racing New Zealand. Edward, good morning to you. Yeah, good morning, Ian. Good morning, listeners. Yeah, okay. So you're going to be taking up this uh, role of CEO of uh, Greyhound Racing New Zealand uh, next month, yeah? Yeah, start next Thursday, and so I've um, been taking over from Glenda Hughes, who's done a great job, so I'll be walking into um, things well under control, and um, yeah, looking forward to it. Okay, so as you sit now, um, before you sit in the chair, what are the issues that uh, that you have to, to deal with facing the greyhound racing industry as we speak? Yeah. Well, clearly the one that's front of mind, Ian, is the animal welfare. Um, we're currently subject to a... Um, ministerial review that's currently been undertaken by the um, Racing Integrity Board. So it's something that the Greyhound Board and management are giving a hell of a lot of attention to and basically making front of mind that we um, ensure that the racing for our dogs is as safe as it can be and also, um, you know, the front of mind is that, um, you know, what happens with the dogs after racing and, you know, ensuring that they have a, you know, a as good a life as possible so you know animal welfare is certainly a focus that's been on, the, on you know a focus for the board over the last you know few years but apart from that for me it's you know there's a hell of a lot you know we can concentrate on looking at some of the negatives but there's some really good opportunities there from a uh, code perspective and that you know from a financial sustainability we've probably you know got some clear advantages over the equine codes and we'll be certainly looking to capitalise on those advantages and opportunities where we can. How stable is the greyhound racing industry in, in, uh, in comparison to uh, to trotting uh, and to galloping? Well, it's a much more compact model. It's probably the best way to describe it. You know, we have venues at Manukau, Cambridge, um, and the central districts we have Wanganui and Manawatu and then down south we have um, Christchurch and um, Escot Park and McArgill so basically look you know you're talking six venues so a um, lot more you know it's a more cost efficient model than the other two codes um, and clearly it's cheaper um, to race the greyhound from an ownership perspective so it's certainly something we will be promoting but it is, you know, it's a sport that's continuing to grow. I think this year we have 450 race meetings, which is, you know, you know, combined for what thoroughbreds and harness are. So, you know, we on average have nine meetings a week. So it's certainly some opportunities there. Okay. Um, let's uh, let's uh, look at fan attendance, fan buy-in, punter buy-in. Uh, what are the numbers like there and how do you increase those? Well, I think that that's got to be a focus, doesn't it? Um, clearly, you know, greyhound place, racing has its place in terms of, as a, you know, from a trackside perspective, it's it's a great product as a sort of a, you know, at times it's looked on as a bit of a filler, you know, and that the average race takes, you know, just under 30 seconds. So, you know, it's well suited to TV. And one of the issues we've got there is just trying to look at our scheduling and, scheduling and can we schedule our race meetings better so that it's more conducive from a wagering perspective but um, a lot of the focus you know for a lot of the meetings is on the off course and export you know every race is exported to Australia and just trying to meet those markets but it doesn't mean for our big meetings we can certainly try and lift lift the focus of them and try and make them as successful as we can and I think yeah the New Zealand Cup meeting will be you know this year we're 
help Enhon if we can turn out a, a million dollars in total wagering, which has ne- never been done domestically, and that's certainly what the, the management team are trying to do this year. Um, Edward, you've been, of course, previously uh, the CEO of Harness Racing New Zealand for 21 years. How do you compare the two jobs? Look, it's a, it's a new challenge, and uh, you know I look forward to it. You know I love my time at Harness Racing, but um, yeah, I've got a new role now. I've, in between times, I've um, had two years as GM of broadcasting operations with the TAB, so that sort of covered the, tra- the track side and the, the retail operations. So it's it's given me some new insights, which I hopefully will be able to bring to bear to the new role. But um, yeah, it'll be yeah, it's just a new challenge, and I look forward to it. You know, it will be different challenges clearly. Um, you know, we've got some significant advantages, but we've also got a hell of a lot of challenges that we, you know, um, and I think one of the attractions for me of the job is that the team at Greyhound Racing, we've got a, a really good staff base there and, and a very professional board, so I think the, the code's well positioned to go forward. What I like about it uh, when I watch Greyhound Racing is um, I look at the demographic of the handlers, uh, of the trainers, etc., and compared to uh, the other two industries, it's quite young. Yeah, that, that's. Um, I've noticed the same myself, Ian, and that, that's you know, a real positive aspect. And for me, one of the things I'll be looking to do in the role is over the next year, get out and, and spend some time with every trainer, because um, I think in terms of combating some of the animal welfare, the, you know, our trainers and what how you know, how they conduct themselves and what they do, that they are the best asset we've got. And, combating it so, and making sure we do everything right but yeah it's really encouraging to see those young people coming through. So, How's this going to work because uh, you're a Cantab um, and what head office is in Petone do you shift to Wellington or, or what's the story? No not at this stage um, I'll commute um, from Christchurch probably four days a week initially um, and then base myself out of the Eddington Grey office on the other day um, so it'll be a case of something that we'll just review and um, see how it goes but the other part is it's important I think that you know I don't want to be a CEO that just sits in your, your crystal tower you've got to get around the grounds and know what's going on and talk to your people so I'll be looking to do that quite a, quite a lot as well. You mentioned the compact unit that uh, Greyhound Racing is within that compact unit there has been some speculation about straight racing uh, as opposed to circular or oval racing is, is that uh, high on the agenda or if so when can we expect that? Yeah, it is. Um, the board's already agreed to build a straight track at Hattrick, um, just inside the thoroughbred track, so that's um, currently proceeding at the moment. Hopefully that should be in place. I can't be totally certain, but I think it'll be in place early 2023. Um, the desire is also to have one in the South Island, um, so we're just currently reviewing where that could could and should be based. But, um, yeah, we, we definitely see straight track um, as much better um, in terms, you know, from an animal welfare and for the safety of the dogs, it, it has its place. So if we could have, as I say, one in Wanganui and one, one in the South Island somewhere is certainly the, you know, what, what our desire would be. Edward Rennell, uh, fascinating catching up. Uh, congratulations uh, on the new role. Wish you all the very best and uh, we'll catch up again soon. Thanks for your time. Yeah, thanks, thanks Ian. Yeah, cheers, uh, Edward Rennell there, incoming CEO of Greyhound Racing New Zealand starts his job next Thursday. It is 11.13.
Right, uh, that is the sound of uh, breaking news here on SENZ in the mornings. And uh, Logan Swinkles, you've uh, got that news. Yeah, I mean, we talked on, well, the panel uh, with Ollie Ritchie and Brad Lewis talked about how hard done by Warriors fans have been. Smithy, Vodafone have decided to re-sign as the naming rights sponsors, I believe, through till 2026. Get this, they have now since purchased all remaining tickets uh, for the final home game against the Titans. And they're going to be giving them away for free. Uh, So from Monday, this Monday at 9 a.m., make sure you've got Ticketmaster loaded up because that's where you're going to be able to get them. Amazing. And I've signed on again. uh, That's great support. So that should get the players uh, up and running. Absolutely. Um, If that can't, uh, the the surety of of a genuine uh, sponsor who continue their backing, uh, that would fire me up. Um, uh, Absolutely. Right, speaking of uh, being fired up, there's plenty of shots being fired across the bow in both of uh, these uh, golf circuits around the world. The traditional PGA, of course, um, in association with DP uh, World Tour, up against uh, Greg Norman's Live Golf. And there's been some shots fired in the last uh, couple of days, some hefty ones, particularly from the PGA. David uh, Bileski joins us this morning, David, to talk about these. Um, And this, uh, David, uh, stems from... Uh, Tiger Woods flying in last week to the BMW, chatting to a number of players, and along with Rory McIlroy uh, and Jay Monaghan, the commissioner, they've made uh, some serious changes. They have. It's a it's a big move, um, Smithy. And it, the interesting thing is, you know, we, we I guess we got a hint of this from from Rory, right? He said he said we need to get more of the top guys together more often, and it all been sort of hush hush about what had happened in this this meeting and this announcement. It is it is large. It's it's interesting timing as well because we, we have sort of expected at the end of the season that they've been calling it Black Monday of after this tour championship, this end of the season event's been um, completed, that a lot of these players or, or several other names are going to be revealed when it comes to the Live Tour. So, um, you know, they've, they've made this big announcement now. I, I wonder if it's perhaps a bit late for a couple of the signings, um, but it should shore up some support. Um, you know, it, it it's it's needed to happen, and and it's a good thing that it has. It is. Uh, it's interesting. It's highlighted by uh, some surety for um, even those players that uh, that uh, don't make a, a lot of money, but uh, they get even uh, all fully exempt tour members. This is an interesting one for me, David. Will get uh, $500,000 guaranteed. So uh, that's credit mm. to their season's earnings. So they know they've got a half million dollars in the bank now. Uh, anything they went up to that point comes out of that. Anything over the top, of course, is cream as well. But that's a nice surety. It is. I've been crying out for this for years because it, it really is. You look at any other sport across America, you're signed to a contract and you are guaranteed to earn X number of dollars for, you know, essentially, you know, you're putting your body on the line. Um, so, and you, and you don't know how long your your career is going to be. So this is something that the PGA Tour has needed to do for quite some time um, because I don't, I don't think it takes away from the meritocracy of golf, you know, and that's one of the beautiful things of watching golf is, you know, these, these players do need to play well to earn money. But what it does is it just shores up things for the year. It gives them some certainty in terms of, you know, they've got travel expenses, they've got a caddy to pay for, they've got equipment expenses, um, you know, and... and they they are on the move all year essentially, um, jumping around to all these different golf courses. So, 
um, I, I think it's a great move. It's it's something that's absolutely needed to happen um, just to give those players that certainty that, um, you know, no matter what, they've got a certain amount of money that's that's coming in to, to um, keep them going for the rest of that year. For those at the top end, uh, they'll be called, um, um, they'll have a, a status of their own, uh, but they'll be playing in 12, uh, at least 12 elevated events with an average purse of uh, at least 20 million US dollars. Now, there is one or two tournaments that carry that purse. I think uh, the players is one of them. But by and large, being able mm. to play for that kind of uh, that kind of hay that many times a year makes it uh, live golf-like, doesn't it? It, it does. I mean, it's interesting, the criteria as well for qualifying. This this would be my my perhaps one critique of this, because I think it needs to be really clear how do you qualify into these these elite events. And say a player, you know, if we take an example like Cameron Young this year, you know, a player who's come up through the Corn Ferry Tour, who's had a really fantastic season, you know, he's finished second at, at the PGA Championship and, you know, playing in these, huge events and playing incredibly well, um, you know, has he still got the ability to qualify into these events throughout the year? Because it sounds to me like from from what I'm reading that it's based on um, popularity of the players, you know, a lot of things like social media exposure, how they mention the broadcast, etc. Um, you know, and if that's taken from the previous year, are we going to see these players rising through and having the the opportunity to qualify for for these events i'm sure there will be some sort of mechanism for for that it just hasn't been announced yet um and i'll be interesting to see how the the divide goes between say those top 20 players and the other players on the tour qualifying and being able to enter into to these events um the money on offer is substantial um it's it's always going to be less than what live is offering um it, it's going to be it's going to be interesting as well to see where they go with sponsorship. I'm guessing there's been a lot of lot of rumours in terms of the PGA Tour going from a non-profit to to being a profit-making organisation off the back of what Liv is doing. You know, and where that's going to um, where that's going to assist them in terms of getting some um, essentially private shareholders. I mean, floating the PGA Tour or selling naming rights to particular sponsorships, um, that really is the only way that they can potentially go and get more money into the Tour in the moment um, without, without, other than because um, they're currently a not-for-profit organisation, they can only really take sponsorship from, from businesses who, who choose to um, invest rather than um, private individuals is my understanding. So Look, I, I think it's a, a big move. Whether it's going to be enough to shore up some some players who are going to be focused completely on the money, um, that remains to be seen. But certainly, it's it's going to retain you know some of those who were perhaps wavering or on the fence. This may be enough to to push them over the line. David, we're going to get a good indication of that um, in about three or four days' time once the Tour Championship uh, is concluded, of course, uh, because the next wave. Uh, or Ripple, is about to head across to um, Live mm. Golf by the sound of it. They will have signed the dotted line, of course, before all of these new arrangements from the PGA and new, um, new competitions, etc., have been well and truly publicised by Jay Monaghan. So what are you mm-hmm. expecting here? The two big names, the two big names of interest are one, uh, Cameron Smith, because of his ranking in World Golf and the recent major winner. The other, of course, is the Japanese connection, in Hideki Matsuyama, which opens up all sorts of avenues 
in Asia. So what are you thinking around those two guys now? Um, I would say they're probably still gone. I, I would say this is potentially too late. Um, as you said, they, they've likely signed with Liv. It's probably puts them, if, it, if this was enough to sway them, it probably puts them in a very difficult position in terms of backing out of their contract. Um, I mean, bear in mind, we, we're, the rumour is that Cameron Smith has been offered $150 million. The, the rumour with the deck is $400 million. So, you know, these, these tournaments, which are $20 million per tournament, um, you know, it is a substantial amount of money that they're paying for, absolutely. Whether it's enough to shore up those guys, uh, I'm not too certain. Cameron Smith's been very clear in his interviews as well. Um, you know, his original no comment, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm only here to win the, the championship and I'm, I'm not going to make a comment. Well, you know, you only don't make a comment if if you're either considering or you're definitely going. And then the the latest press conference, you know, he sort of made a comment about it being, um, being willing to face some criticism or being ready to face some flack or something along those lines. And it's like, well... You know that he's been he's been he has done a very good job of fighting it. Let's let's put it this way. Hideki's a bit more difficult because um obviously he's got this huge Japanese following and he does bring a, a ton of um, sponsorship as a result um, because the viewers do follow Hideki and he's huge over in um, in Japan. Four hundred million is a substantial amount of money. Um, you know it's going to be it's going to be very interesting seeing you know. A, a previous Masters champion, if he does go across as well. Um, the the other the other thing that I've been hearing as well about Liv is they're looking to almost create these international teams now as their new their new stance. And, and whether that's true or not, this is just something that I've heard around the traps. Um, you know, and, and with Cameron Smith and potentially Mark Leishman was the other name that was mentioned. You know, they're, they're starting to get, like, say, an Australian team and Hideki could become a Japan, Japanese team um, and kind of almost go down the IPL kind of route of selling sponsorship in their teams to try and try and actually build the tour. So that's going to be interesting to see how that unfolds as well. To which the, the PGA have turned around and said, we're going to have Monday night golf, we're going to have teams golf, and uh, we're going to play with Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy. Yeah, and sort of these um, these stadium events. Um, have you seen the the mock-ups, Smithy? What was your what was your thinking on that? Well, I haven't seen too much about it, David. So could you enlighten me, please? Yeah, I mean they've got these 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 photos of these huge stadiums with sort of like you know in the middle of the the stadium um, having a, a massive green with sort of bunkers around it, and then sort of a, a driving simulator down the end. I, I don't know. Look, I don't know if it gets me excited. I'm sure. I'm sure that it will be entertaining. But is it going to be the main event? Probably not. Is it? I, I guess if you're, you know, someone who's new or young um, and coming into the sport, it might be something that you go along to with your, your family and go and watch. I'd, I don't say that it, it absolutely thrills me, but you know, it, re, it remains to be seen. I, I mean, esports is huge and has become this this huge um, multi-million dollar industry um, so if they're trying to tap into that side of it, um, you know, I can understand that to the point again um, but yeah, look if, it, if it's another event which brings big names together and it's a, it's a time to, you know, see the players in action up close and personal and um, you know, see some banter between them I think that's a good thing, I think it's great exposure you know, it's not going to replace the Genesis Invitational for me 
you know, I'm still going to want to go and see the players play around Riviera and receive the, the trophy from Tiger. You know, so, okay. um, you know, it's kind of, you know, for me, it's an addition, not a, um, not the main event. Interesting. Absolutely interesting. We can't uh, say goodbye to you without touching on uh, what started this morning. And that, of course, is the, the Tour Championship. Scotty Sheffler started uh, with a two-shot handicap lead. He's increased that to five. Does anyone run down Scotty Scheffler? Um, I don't think so. I think I don't think so. I took I took Scheffler beginning of the week, um, in in outright markets at three dollars fifty, um, and that was immediately after Zalatoris withdrawing, um, because once Zalatoris was out, you know there was just one other in the chasing pack, and with this um, with this staggered start as we talked about last week. You know, he does start with this advantage. And then, you know, with Zalatoris going, there was another who was three back who was um, suddenly out of the mix. Um, Chef has had a great season. He deserves to win the FedEx Cup. I, I hope he does because he has been um, lights out this year. He's been a head, head and shoulders above the rest. So he does deserve to take it out. And it's going to be exciting to see how that develops over the next three days. But, look, he's, he's a very talented golfer. He's shown that he could be cool and calm in these, big events. For me, it was really going to be interesting what he did today in this first round and, and to go out and shoot um, shoot five under was um, fantastic. I think that was the, the start that he needed because it's it's a strange situation, right? You're starting a golf tournament, you're already at minus 10. You know, you're, you're, you're 10 under and you've got this lead that you're almost defending from the start. So it, it's, it's an interesting dynamic because you can see players in that situation already start to get a bit defensive and trying to defend their lead. So actually, what I was hoping to see from Scheffler was what happened, was he actually went out, he still attached to this golf course, um, got some good birdies on his card, and um, yeah, and as a result, I, I do, I think he, he takes it out. Um, Fitzpatrick was another one that I backed um, this week as well, and he's sitting there in third with a great round, so be interesting to see um, how the rest of the week unfolds. Been an interesting week, David, an interesting one on and off the course. Uh, thanks so much for your time, as always, with your assessment of uh, uh, the new developments on both tours. Uh, great catching up, mate. Thank you very much. Pleasure. Thanks for being. Cheers. Yeah, David uh, Bileski there, folks, uh, with a, a further insight into what's uh, going on over there. And head-to-head uh, -head, uh, off the course, almost as interesting as head-to-head -head on the course at the moment. It's 11.33, slightly late to the news, but um, it still gives us plenty of time uh, to uh, ask you to play Stump Smithy for the last time this week. So 0800 150 811 0800 150 811 uh, get on the blower and uh, Robbie will be taking your calls today Logan Swinkles is back in the chair to be quiz master but in the meantime here's Araha with the 11.33 update Stumped here on SNZ Mornings with Ian Smith and producer Logan Swinkles Smithy I've really missed being in the chair hopefully uh, I don't get too out of breath after this because uh, after I did that Tully uh, interview with Tully uh, Bevilacqua, I definitely was. But let's rip into it, mate, because we've got a $50 TAB bonus bet up for grabs. Before I bring in our first contestant, how are you feeling about uh, Friday? Yeah, Fridays are good. I don't mind a good Friday quiz, to be perfectly honest. Uh, been done over the last couple of days. Uh, Rich McCaw got me and someone beat me at cricket yesterday as well, which is not something yeah. I was that fond of, but... Um, well, we've got 50 bucks up for grabs for someone uh, th this morning, so we'll just uh, wait and see who's up first, uh, Logan. I uh, heard that. Brave man taking you on a cricket and winning. That was huge. Uh, first on the line, coming from Palmy North, Lammy. Lammy, you're up again. Hey, buddy. Hey, Smitty, how you going? Hey, Lammy boy, how you going? All right, boy? 
Yeah, maybe you know, payback. Hope I'll get a payback on you because I missed out on that two hundred dollars question. You know, you yeah, remember the golf one, Leo Curry and the yeah. British Open? That's you right. It, eh? Absolutely. No, I, I don't fleek it. Yeah, I'll, I'll never have that kind of knowledge, Lemmy. I'd never have that kind of knowledge, Lemmy. You know that. So um, let's just see how you go today. What are the categories? The uh, <laughs> the categories today for Lemmy and for Smithy are the Premier League, the All Blacks versus Las Pumas. And rugby league, take your pick, Lammy. Oh. Sorry, can you say that again? Oh, sorry, Premier League. Premier All right. League. All right, here we go. All right. I like your energy, Lammy. I like your energy. Good luck to you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> First question: <laughs> After three rounds, only one team has a perfect record. Who is that team? Um, Arsenal. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Smithy would be hoping uh, Tottenham had the perfect record, but I'm no doubt you would have had that one, mate. Yeah, I had that one under control, so early on in the piece, but uh, early ripe, early rotten, the gunners. Early ripe, early rotten. So, just like the fruit. Just like the fruit on the tree, Lammy. Okay, uh, that's one yep. you've got. What's question number two? Uh, question number two. Defending champions Man City were held to a surprise draw last weekend by which club? Oh, jeez. Oh, oh, I know that one. I'll just, oh, you know, it's with you. I know that one too. God. Um, oh, I can't remember. can't remember. Um, Have a stab, no, mate. Sorry, I can't. Oh, One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Well, Smithy, you've spent quite a bit of time uh, with Ricardo over the week, so that, I don't know, that if that gives you an advantage here, do you have an answer? Yeah, I do. Um, they've actually had the same yeah. scoreline twice this week, to be perfectly honest. Uh, they drew three all with Barcelona uh, in one competition, but in the EPL, they drew three all with Newcastle United, Lammy. Newcastle United. <laughs> Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Yep, correct you are, Smithy. So, Lammy, back to the pavilion. I think you got knocked out on the second question last time, but definitely try again uh, next in line. Final question, Craig from Tottinger. It's been a while, mate. It has been a while. How are you guys doing? We're good. We're good, and we're confident now. We're confident we've got the breakthrough. So um, when I say we, it's me. Um, so uh, what is the question, please, for Craig? This is all or nothing for you, Craig. Three games into the Premier League season, how many points do Liverpool have? Oh, Liverpool? Uh, I think they've got two. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Was that a confident guess? <laughs> um, yeah, it was an educated guess. I'm, I'm not huge on the EPL, but I, yeah, it was a. I knew they were down the bottom somewhere, so I think they're sitting like you know seventeenth or something down the bottom of the table. So I knew it wasn't many. Absolutely perfect, Craig. Spot on. I've uh, had a loss to Manchester United and a couple of draws, so two points was right on the money. Congratulations to to you, mate. Uh, enjoy the fifty dollars and have a great weekend watching. A truckload of sport, particularly rugby, I would imagine. So much rugby. Cheers, Smithy. Thanks. Have a good weekend, too.
Yeah, yeah, cheers. Uh, Craig from uh, Tauranga there. This is our winner this morning. We'll have, of course, at 11.30 on Monday morning, another opportunity to uh, stump Smithy as such. It's uh, 11.40. Uh, when we return, we'll have a, a look at some harness racing action over the weekend and uh, also our weekend uh, racing shows. Harness racing now, as we always do it this time on a Friday, and uh, the action is down south again this weekend uh, with uh, harness racing at Addington tonight. Then uh, on Sunday, it's uh, coming from uh, Rangiora. Uh, the first uh, race going at 12.10 on Sunday, which means you can listen to uh, Greg O'Connor uh, and uh, Michael Guerin uh, on Trot's Talk uh, in the hour preceding that, so they'll give you a good insight and some information there. Good morning to you, Greg. Yeah, good morning, Smithy. Yeah, Addington Raceway tonight, Rangiora on Sunday, so two here in the south, and things really start stepping up, Smithy, in terms of the build-up to the road to the IRT New Zealand Cup the second Tuesday in November. Tonight's race is the Allied Security Morris Holmes Vars. Now, Morris Holmes, one of the great names in the sport of yesteryear, man who got to a 1,000 wins at a time, Smithy, where they used to race basically once a week, and even on his last night of driving at Alexandra Park, I think he drove five or six winners. Uh, the man they call the Maestro, it's great to have a Group 3 race named after him. Well, such significance leading towards the Cup. OK, um, so how many how, of these sort of Cup-like horses, Greg, between now and, um, and uh, I guess it's a horse-by-horse -horse thing, but how, how, how many races would you expect them to have leading into the Cup in, uh, what, the second week in November? Yeah, look, things have changed slightly, Smithy. Back in the old days, and, and the old colonial breed horses, uh, they used to say you had to be up and going about this time of year, get your six or seven starts in here to be uh, well enough grounded to win the Cup. But I was talking to Mark Purden about it yesterday, and we both sort of concurred that it's as much about the breed these days. They're a lot finer and faster, and, and they're bred on, on the American side of things, where the horses are a lot slicker, and therefore they don't need as many runs. And if you go back to the last two New Zealand Cups, he won it with self-assured two years ago, and I think he had three or four runs into the Cup, and uh, last year it was something similar uh, for Copy That. So not as many races. The options start now, and tonight, by the way, is an automatic entry race to the Cup. So if you win tonight, you don't, uh, you're exempt from the ballot. You'll be straight into the, uh, into the Cup. And, and we have a ranking system now where... Uh, after the nominations close, which is about the 8th of September, the club sits down and, and starts ranking the horses, and they can go up and down depending on performance. But, uh, yeah, it, it, they don't need as many runs, Smithy, as they used to, but basically they go from this meeting to a fortnight's time, uh, the new Brighton Cup, and then about 10 days later, it's the Hannon Memorial. Then they're at Addington for the uh, Canterbury Classic. And after that, you've got races like Meffin. You've got uh, Ashburton, obviously, Labour Weekend, Kaikoura the week before. So um, you, you've got options as to how many starts you want to have. And, and many of the horses that are in tonight potentially could go round at all of them. Trot's talk on Sunday, Greg. Yep, that's, uh, that'll, that'll be uh, 11 till 12. Actually, the great man himself, M. Guerin, courtesy of uh, being here as part of uh, the rugby test on Saturday night, will be in-house, so we'll be in the same studio. Um, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, Smithy. He tends to like to uh, hold the fort, as you well know. He loves a yarn. Um, but we've got plenty on on Sunday. We're hopeful of catching up with Arna Donnelly, who has horses like Kango and Taipo potentially on a cup path. Um, so we'll have a chat to her. A couple of others that I want to talk to have chances on Sunday at Rangiora. 
Uh, Crandell Giddy's one of those, and he's got a decent team in tonight as well. Uh, so there'll be plenty of information between 11 and 12. If you wanted to have a bet tonight, Smithy, uh, there's a multi-anchor for you. Race four and a race called the Basil Dean, one of our great prodders of the 80s. Uh, uh, Majestic Man should win again. He's won two from two. He's a dollar seventy, Smithy. I thought he might open a dollar fifty. So I reckon that's overs. So if you're playing your multis through the All Blacks Test or, or the NRL, he's a he's a great leg up for you. And in the uh, following race, race five, Chambray's won her last two. She goes into a Neville R heat and uh, is trained by the Purden Cullen team. Mark doing the steering. Uh, around $3.20. I reckon she'll be pretty hard to beat too. Greg O'Connor, thank you very much. Have a terrific weekend, uh, Greg, and uh, enjoy Canterbury with a sporting bonanza down there. Uh, all the best. Uh, we'll hear from you uh, again on Sunday. Thanks. Yeah, no problem at all, Smithy. Cheers. Cheers, uh, Greg O'Connor there with uh, our uh, update on uh, harness racing. Uh, right, uh, we'll have... Uh, maybe uh, we, uh, you know, something special on the uh, breakfast show this morning. We might just play a little snippet of that for you as we hand over to staff before midday. Well, there's some very clever people work on uh, this particular radio station, SENZ, and uh, there was a, a really clever piece of uh, radio this morning. Um, when, uh, in combination with uh, Timothy Rice and Elton John, um, Louis Herman Watt wrote some lyrics to one of their songs, Can You Feel the Love Tonight? And the vocals, Aroa Hathaway. With the heat of lose or win, can you find a way? One South African moment, and it saw him through. Was it enough for this restless warrior to make peace with you? Can you feel the love fuzzy even from ends and Was it enough for this one-eyed country who wanted razor? So can you feel the love fuzzy Now that it's laid to rest Is it enough to make haters and cantabs Believe you're the very best Now, that was absolutely sensational. That is uh, Aroa Hathaway. What a gorgeous voice. Very clever lyrics from uh, Louis Herman Watt. Uh, Staff uh, had the phone out with the torch on, as did uh, to Logan and Robbie as well. It was was beautiful. Just a beautiful thing to see. Uh, Staff, clever people, aren't they? Oh, look, it made my commute on the Southern Motorway in the rain, bumper to bumper, going 15 kilometres an hour, just melt away and brought me back to what's true in life. <laughs> it was. It was quite beautiful, quite apt actually, quite apt. And I wonder if they will feel the love for Fozzie and whether Fozzie will feel the love from uh, people in Christchurch. I guess only a good win <coughs> will guarantee that, if at all. Staff, what's on the Midday Madness today? Oh, a little bit light-hearted today, Smithy. You'll remember we had the, uh, the good golly Miss Molly Jolly Lolly off and we found the favourite lolly around New Zealand. It's yep. biscuits, Smithy.
It's biscuits. Biscuits, cookies, bickies, whatever you want. So midday madness. We're just going to lighten the load of a hectic week and we're going to take your nominations and the biscuits to get the top 32 votes. We'll go into the playoffs next week. That's midday madness. Uh, Midday madness for me. Well, my choice would be the Anzac biscuit. Right. Particularly the New Zealand. Particularly the New Zealand half of it, uh, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and anything else uh, lined up for the afternoon? Yeah, well, that's going to be the highlight. No, but the other highlight every Friday, of course, is Jeremy Paul. We give him an extended time now because he tells such good stories. Uh, pre-recorded a chat with James Wade, um, the British darts player who's over here for the Darts Masters in Hamilton this weekend. So we'll be playing that out today. And it's pretty thought-provoking, Smithy. Pretty thought-provoking, the chat with him. And we're talking to Alyssa Smith across the ditch. She's uh, part of the SEN crew. She's heading up to cover the Australia-New Zealand cricket as well. Cool. Okay. It is uh, time to go. Thanks, Robbie. Thanks, Logan. Thanks, Araha, you clever thing. Have a great weekend, everyone. Go the All Blacks. Go the Black Ferns. Deck maintenance isn't fun. Move the furniture and barbecue, sand and prep, paint, seal, or get a low-maintenance Trex deck. The only colour fade you'll have to deal with is watching the sunset. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.